his own as well, right? Because <laughs> we're all human, right? And now, and we'll get into that. What, what, do you, what, what sins are those? Well, I mean, listen, uh, we're going to look here at blameless, and, and uh, that's the first one off here. The, uh, 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 a bishop must be blameless, which blameless doesn't mean sinless. Blameless just means there's nothing that, that somebody could grab hold of in a pastor's life and say, that's wicked. That's egregious. They're not living in adultery openly. They're not living in fornication. They're not, um, I, I don't know, starting businesses and claiming bankruptcy and everybody knows about it just to get it. I mean, there are some things that you could look at a pastor's life and go, that's not good, right? That's not a good testimony. And uh, so the first qualification for a pastor, it's like, okay, if you feel like you've been called to be a pastor, if you feel like you have the desire to be a pastor, let's, let's go through the 17 uh, points here of, of the checklist and watch when you get through these 17 points, you can maybe say, okay, this is still of God. We'll move forward. You might say, uh, maybe not yet. Maybe not yet. Maybe not at all. Maybe not at all. Because, and we're going to look at this. So the first one's blameless, Right. He's got to be blameless. Look at number two, the husband of one wife. Do you know if you have this one wrong, none of the rest matter? Right. I know what some people say. They say this means a one at a time. <laughs> one at a time. They're saying this is uh, talking against polygamy. Well, uh, really, in, in Israel's time and in Paul's time right here, um, polygamy wasn't as big as it was in the Old Testament. But that's just not, even beside that, that just isn't what this is talking about. It's, one, it's the husband of one wife, one wife. Um, divorce and remarriage? No. Sorry, you're unqualified. We've looked at that before. You're not qualified. You're not qualified. Uh, a, a spouse has passed away and you've remarried? That's fine. If you've, if you've married in the Lord, right? In the Lord. Is she an unbeliever? No. That's not blameless now. That's a problem. You, you've, you're unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. So marriage in the Lord. So if you have the desire, if you have the, the, the desire to be a pastor and you're blameless, right? There's nothing, not sinless, but there's nothing out there that, that anybody could grab hold of and accuse you of. Something grievous could be accused of. Secondly, you're the husband of one wife which obviously we, we looked at this last week. We don't need to spend a lot of time on it. But this also, uh, um, this also uh, kind of <clears throat> takes away this whole aspect of women preacher pastors. Yeah. The husband of one wife. I don't know how much more clear you get. Right. <laughs> it didn't they say the spouse of one spouse. Here's the other thing this is not saying. It's not saying you have to be married to be a pastor. The point is if you are married, right? Okay, if you are married, uh you're gonna be the you're gonna have one wife. And uh, you're not gonna have two or three that are hanging out over here somewhere else that you used to be with. Right. You can't, that's, it's just not right. If they have passed away, right, and, uh, and then uh, you have remarried, that's, that's, that's okay. The other reason why we know this, this, uh, this can't mean that, it's, uh, it's, uh, that you have to be married because it also says that your children are in all gravity. And it, so you'd also have to, the, the conclusion would be that you, the pastor would have to have children, right? Well, I mean, that doesn't bear out either because some people just don't. Right? Hey, the Apostle Paul wasn't married. And he pastored churches. He, we don't know if he ever had any children. Right? The Lord Jesus Christ started his church. He was the first pastor of the church, of the first church, and he was not married and had no children. Right? 
So these things, you know, I, I know some people say, oh, you've got to be married. I know. We dealt with that once, remember, uh, Brother Jim, a while back, several years ago, about six years ago, five, six years ago, a uh, little bit of a scuffle about uh, uh, deacons being married, right? And it's like, that is not what it's saying. And so, anyway, if you have the desire of a, of a bishop, and here's what I know some of you ladies are going, why, why are we going over this? Because I may not be here all the, you know. You, who knows? I'd be dead tomorrow. I don't know. And you're going to have to find a pastor, right? And uh, and you need to know these things. Yeah, you you men need to know these things. Uh, the husband of one wife. Look at number. Look at the third thing here. Blameless husband of one wife. Vigilant, vigilant. Um, that is an individual who uh, is you know that you know in First Peter five eight. Be sober. Be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, uh, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking to whom he may devour. Uh, be sober is talking about being awake. Being vigilant talks about how long you're to be awake. Right? Being vigilant, why? Not one who's so quick to quit. Not, one, not, not, a, not a man who's, who's really quick to go, ah, forget it. I've had enough of that. You know? you know, not one who's, hey, watch this. Not a man who's so quick to just allow anything into the church. Listen, I think some men... Uh, this may be, uh, you may say it's a little more um, preference, but I think it bears out. There are some men, when they get to the place in their ministry, they've gotten older. Listen, I know this, you get tired. I haven't been in the ministry as long as some, but I'm getting tired. <laughs> Age-wise, I'm getting tired. And it's easy, watch, to start allowing things to come into the church that shouldn't be allowed. Then the next guy's got to fix it and runs off half of them because they're mad about it. Right. Watch, if you get to a place in a ministry where you can't be vigilant anymore, you need to be done. You need to be done. Uh, uh, Bobby Robertson, I just told you this not too long ago, but if you didn't hear it, uh, Bobby Robertson uh, at Gospel Light Baptist Church out in uh, Walkertown, North Carolina, large church, 3,500 or so. He had about a fourth grade education, built a massive work out there. Humble, 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 simple man. And he was walking through the quarters showing another preacher uh, this the church and just showing them around. And this preacher said this, we we're walking down the hallway, there's a bulletin board with a, an advertisement for a contemporary Christian concert. And at almost 80 years old, right, Brother Robertson looked up and he went kind of stunned, ripped, took that thing off, off the bulletin board. He goes, you can never stop watching. You can never stop watching. What was he? He's vigilant. You know, that, that's a qualification there. All right. Vigilant. You can watch it in their personal lifestyle if they're not vigilant in their lifestyle. About listen, everybody's caving today. Have you noticed this? Compromise everywhere. I mean, they're they're caving on separation. They're caving on holiness. They're caving on the Bible. They're caving on. I mean, they're going back to reform theology. It's like what is going on? It's just nuts. It's just caving all over the place. It's not vigilant. It's not vigilant. If they're so quick to change their doctrine. That they were like, no, this is it. I understand you. We can be wrong in things, but there's some basic things that you're changing all the time. I don't know. I'd have, I'd have trouble with them being a pastor. Absolutely. So the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober is really connected to vigilance. Uh, sober, sober-minded. It's, it's, it describes the the person who's able to think clearly and with clarity, right? They, they, they can have a good humor. They can have a good time. But they're not just constantly yucking it up. <laughs> I, I, oh, man, I, I never, I, I'd never name it. But there's a, 
somebody who came through church one time, not here, but another church, and I mean, every message was just like, ah! it's like, good night, you're a moron. I'm sorry. I mean, it was, no, there's a, listen, there's a point where it becomes, the Bible word is foolishness. You become foolish. And there's one thing of having a good time. There's nothing when it gets into foolishness. Uh, this is not a good qualification for a pastor. Now, say, hey, listen, not saying there's, there's times in life where, where we get into places we need to work on some stuff. Don't get me wrong, because we're not perfect, right? But if this is a normal pattern of their life, they can just never be serious. They can never be sober-minded. They can never be uh, clear with their thinking. I mean, it's all it is is life's just a big joke. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, know, if, I don't know if that'd be a good qualification, right? Might be great for some revivalist running around and doing kids' meetings, right? But it wouldn't be good for a pastor. Here we go. Of good behavior. I mean, this sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Of good behavior. The word really there, the, the meaning is orderly. Orderly. One who is orderly. It's the same word over in uh, chapter 2 and verse 9. Look at this. In like manner also the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, right? Um, modest, adorn themselves, adorn themselves, right? That word modest there is translated orderly, orderly apparel, something that's appropriate, appropriate. Nakedness isn't appropriate. Whether it seems to be covered up or not, and left to the, nothing left to the imagination, that's not appropriate, right? That's not modest. That's not, listen, here's, that's the same word here, <clears throat> with the pastor is of good beha- of of good behavior it's that word orderly right maybe 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 the word dignified would be a good word somewhat dignified somewhat orderly somewhat put together notice this next one of good behavior given to hospitality able to have their home open able to go out and take somebody to a meal uh, enjoys having company, enjoys uh, serving other people. I mean, I know there are those that uh, have been pastors. I'm telling you, they, they come in, they preach, they go out the backside door, and uh, you don't see them. They're, no, they're out there. They really are, right? Uh, they don't interact with anybody. They're, they're not going to invest their life in somebody, to, per se. Their home is never open to anybody. I mean, they live 25 miles away in the woods. Let's go on. Uh, no, just kidding. just kidding. If you can find us, you can come over anytime. <laughs> Audrey, I remember when your dad showed up out in Boaz. <laughs> and I looked at him like, well, hey. He goes, oh, hi. <laughs> How are you? I was like, you found me. Yep. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, I miss him. So of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Teaching's not preaching. Preaching is not teaching. Preaching <clears throat> is giving Bible truth that leaves you with the need to make, to make a decision. You're going to say yes or no. Okay. Teach, that's not teaching. Teaching is, is discipleship. Teaching is educating. Teaching is giving information and facts that you, you take with in your life. <clears throat> Is there aspects where you might, you know, through teaching people might realize, oh boy, I need to make a decision here. Yes, but the point, watch, the point of preaching is to get you to change your life. Watch, the point of preaching is to get you to change your behavior. Right. 
That's not really the point of teaching. Now, a pastor has to be apt to teach. He has to be able to teach. He has to have the ability to teach. There are some of those out there that say, well, I, I'm a preacher, but I'm not a teacher. Well, then you, that's fine, but you probably shouldn't be a pastor. Because you've got to be able to do it. Now, it's okay to say, I'm a teacher, but man, I am not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. That's fine. There's, there's roles in the church for that. But listen, you cannot be a pastor without being, having the ability to be a teacher as well. And so apt to teach. Look at number three. Not given to wine. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. Uh, uh, of course, it's easy for us. I hope you agree with the Bible on this, that it is a complete abstinence from alcohol for a child of God. Um, you know what? You, I mean, I, I think we'd be pretty safe in saying, although some people may struggle with these areas, and, and maybe they haven't gotten victory over certain areas of their life. But I think we could all be on the same page and say, uh, yeah, you know what? Tobacco is probably not good for the, in the life of a believer. Why? Well, I mean, the, the addiction of nicotine, what it does to the lungs, what it does to the body. You know, it destroys the temple of God. I mean, that we could say that pretty easily. Like, you know, it's probably not a good thing to do. But then there'll be a whole segment of Christians that'll come along and say, well, hey, the moderation of alcohol is fine. Can I tell you something? It kills brain cells. All alcohol kills brain cells. Watch, it is a mind-altering drug. We would never sit up here, I would never sit up here and say, well, you know, marijuana is okay for medicinal values, you know. If the THC is still in it and you're still getting high from it, it is, it is altering brain chemistry. It's huge. It's huge, right? Let me tell you something about what my cousin told me not too long ago. In, uh, on my mom's side of the family, there's a lot of mental disorders and uh, I have an aunt who was, um, you know, uh, bipolar. I had a, had a great-grandmother on my mother's side who died at Nevada at the mental hospital, you know, and they just went nuts. And, um, and uh, that's not, probably not the nicest thing to say, but you know what I mean. They did. They just went, and she did. And, but my, my cousin had a practice in St. Louis uh, in, in uh, psychiatry or whatever it was, and, and she told me, she says, Derek, this, when they were, when they were uh, legalizing marijuana, she said, Derek, it's crazy. It is crazy. She goes, you know, if you have that re- re- uh, recessive in you, like the, you have the ability, it's in your family, uh, you know, psychological disorders and things. She goes, you know, one hit of marijuana can flip that trigger and your life is over. One hit. And she goes, they know this. They know this. But it's all about money. And, it, and it's, it's the end time thing of pharmacy. It's the end time thing of drugs. Drugs are going to rule the end times. And uh, that's, that's how the uh, Antichrist is going to just willingly rule people, right? It's because their mind's altered. I mean, look, look at the, oh, don't get me wrong. Look at, the, look at just the medication drugs people are on now that alters the mind, right? And then the government goes, go get this shot and go get that shot and go do this. And everybody's like, okay. Well, <sighs> okay. Not given to wine. Let's get back to that. Not given to wine. Not given to alcohol. That word, that word uh, given there, I, I had this. What did I do with this? Um, I think I put it somewhere. I copied it somewhere. What did I, where did I copy it? That was a good word. I need to look this up. Um, but that word uh, given there is, is it, it, the word is uh, given to much wine is, is one word, paraoinos. Para meaning coming alongside of, getting into the vicinity, walking side by side with. 
uh, walking next to in vicinity too. So it, when he says not given to wine, he's saying not coming up next to it, not coming up beside it, not coming near it. Right over in Proverbs, it says, uh, you know, come not by it. You know, walk. You know, there, there's a principle there of when you have something that you're dealing with that is sin, that is sin. Don't even get close to it. That's the principle in Proverbs. And here we have for the man that is called, he believes he has a desire to pastor that he should not be coming alongside of anything alcoholic. Right? Not even just drinking it. He shouldn't be coming alongside of it. It shouldn't be near him. And we could spend a long time uh, talking about alcohol in the Bible and wine. And, and uh, you do know the word wine, especially in the King James, is... Uh, uh, all of the forms of wine, whether, out, whether they are alcoholic or non-alcoholic, because you have both, just, just today, like we would say cider. We'd say cider. It could be non-alcoholic apple cider, or it could be hard cider, right? But you, you would have to know by the context or by some more clarification. Well, when you see in the New Testament or in the Old Testament where it says wine, it could either be alcoholic or non-alcoholic, and you've got to know by context what it's talking about. And some people take context that are talking about non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic and say, see, it's permitted. It's like, well, no, that's not what it's talking about. And it's, it's, it's funny because that's another reason in these new versions of the Bible, if they were really wanted to get rid of archaic words, they would, have, they would have give clarifications on all these uses of the word wine. But they don't. They don't because so many of them uh, are, uh, are, are, are alcoholics. And uh, so they can't change that. They've got to keep that. The Bible over in, I believe, where it was in this Old Testament, talks about wine, the wine in the cluster. The Nazarite wasn't even supposed to have wine in the cluster. What is that? Grapes. It was fresh grapes. So you see the word wine there can also signify non-alcoholic. So we'll get into that another time. But the, the pastor who desires the office of a pastor is not to be given to wine, not to have that propensity, watch, to be drawn to alcohol. You can think about that for a while. No striker, right? He's not a violent individual. He's not ready to go to blows at every every little thing that comes up, right? He's just, right, I'll show you, buddy. Right. Of course, I've never found that works for me because I don't know why. But anyway, maybe because it was never a threat. I don't know. Maybe that was it. Do I seem threatening, uh, Alan? See, that's uh, that's why I've just never done that. It just didn't work. Right? <laughs> no striker. All right? Not greedy. I love this, this, these words. A filthy lucre. <laughs> right? He's not greedy. A filthy lucre. He's not trying to, not trying to get money. Right? Uh, of uh, uh, Not greedy for the cash. Not greedy for the greenbacks. Not always, not always trying to find a way to get another buck out of people. I mean, I mean we could spend a lot of time talk, watching about those that are that are on the internet and on TV and things like that, and uh, send me your send me your dollar and it'll be a thousand dollars, right, brother Jim? We we're talking about that yesterday. And what are they? They're greedy for money. They're money grubbers, and the people that send their money in. But Jim and I we were talking about this yesterday, weren't we? Hey, listen, they, uh, you know, poor things. They sent all their money in, and this this guy gets richer, and they didn't because you know they didn't have faith. It's your own fault, and you. That's why you're still poor and I'm rich, right? Just greedy of cash. Listen, if you have that propensity and you just got to have more and more and more money, that desire for for the office of a bishop is probably not of God. Or it needs to be something you may need to work on before God's ready to use you for that. 
Okay. So not not give not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, patient. Here it is, uh, uh, patient. Not a brawler. Kind of kind of goes back with the striker. He's not a brawler. He's not ready. Uh, who's always always looking for a fight? Some some guys, you know, uh, you know they will uh, they will uh, they will uh, drop the hat as well. You know what I mean? Uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna they're just gonna fight over anything and everything. They're just ready. They're ready to go, and uh, you can't be that way. You, you can't be that way. I, I've noticed. Uh, but let me say it this way: I remember a meeting we had a few few a few years ago, and I and I presented to the men some options about some things that some changes we we might want to make, and uh, one of the responses from one individual was no. Um, I said, well, okay, we'll pray about it. We just dro- you just have to drop it. What are you going to do, right? Yeah. If you have the tendency to go, well, tell you what, Bubba, you know, we're going to duke this out in words, maybe even just you know, I mean, if you have that propensity that you are going to you're going to show people you're right, and I understand we we need to be right about stuff, but man, there comes a time when it becomes self centered. Self-centered, and you're just you're you you just like to you just like to brawl and quarrel, and fight. That's not good. Look at gentle. Uh, let me find this. Uh, patient, not a. I'm sorry, not a brawler. Yep, not a brawler. Patient, not a brawler. Not covetous. Always want what somebody else has. Yeah, I've I, I've known a few of them. Not covetous. One that ruleth his own house well, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Right? What happens when gravity goes away? Well, things start floating off. If a, listen, if a man is a pastor of the age when the children are at home and they're just floating off everywhere and they're not, they probably ought not to be a pastor. Now, this is an interesting point because there's several different thoughts on this. There's one teaching that I that I was uh, uh, more prone to, that it took me a long time to get over. And let me say that rightly. It took me a long time to get over that. It took a lot of Bible teaching for me to get over. But the, the, the teaching was, if your children get out of the house and they go wrong, you get out of the ministry. Can I tell you, they're, 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 they, have, they have a free will. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of problems that watch that don't line up with the Word of God with this. Number one, God Himself said, Told Israel, I nurtured you, and yet ye still rebelled. Hold on a minute. If I'm going to set the standard that every pastor, that when their children get out of the house, they better stay in right with God. Well, now you have set yourself up a standard higher than God. And that's not right. Let me give you another case where this, this kind of falls apart. In the Old Testament, the... Uh, the parents, when a child would not would not uh, obey, and they were rebellious uh, to the place that they were uncontrollable, the Bible said you, they were to take them out and stone them. How would you like that, Emma? That be that's some harsh punishment, isn't it? Yeah, you're you're you better do what your dad says, or you're going to be off the planet, you know. And uh, yeah, that'd be terrible. You know what one pastor friend of mine pointed out. He said, well, if it's always the parents' problem, why weren't the parents stoned? 
He never called for the stoning of the parents as for the, you know, for the rebellious children. Why? Because they have a free will and they can they 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 choose to rebel at times. One of the great messages I heard that helped me probably was the icing on the cake that just really helped me change my thinking uh, to to be more biblical, which was uh, uh, our our pastor, Brother Abels, was preaching for, through, Revela- through Revelation. He came to the end, the millennial reign of Christ. And the message, the, the, the application was this. Jesus is on the throne. <laughs> Everything is perfect. These people have known nothing but perfection. Satan is loosed. And here it is. People go and they rebel against Jesus Christ. And uh, they follow Satan. But they're living in perfection. And they're living with Jesus evidently on the throne. And the application was you can raise your children according to the word of God and you can be right and they still have a free will and they can rebel. If they're going to rebel under Jesus Christ, you're going to think they're not going to rebel under you? Yeah. You know, you know, you know, you call children that stay in gravity after they get out of the home. You know, you tell, you call that, you call that the grace of God and the blessing of God. And you thank God for that. You thank God for that because listen, some don't do that. Some go their own way and some do other things. What is the meaning of this here? I believe it's specifically talking about those. It says having his own children that are still in the home. They're still in the home. Listen, if your kids are running your house, you probably ought not to be a pastor. Right? You probably ought not to be a pastor. Absolutely not. Having his children in subjection with all gravity. Mom and dad are in charge. Dad, you know, the, the, the children are, are properly in order. Watch. And they are... They are um, they are living in such a way in that order uh, that's almost natural. They, they're not, they understand it. They're not fighting it. And it might be some uh, uh, inward rebellion, you know, that you don't see all the time. But uh, they're pretty much everything is in order. Look at what he says. For if a man not know how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Here's another problem I've never really thought about. If you want to put this on the man that the children will always be uh, right in them subjection, well, the next thing would be that the church that he pastors will always be right and the, and the members will always be in subjection with the right heart and the right attitude. But we know that's not true, is it? Because people get, listen, people get away from the Lord and they get their heart away from God and they walk away, right? And they don't say, oh, you know, see, there's a connection. So no more for you, <laughs> right? Look at this, number six, not a novice. Somebody's newly saved, they ought not to be, probably not to be teaching or preaching. Do you, do you realize Calvin, when he wrote the, from what I understand, when he wrote his, his institutes, I, I better go look this up again, but I believe he was only saved about three years. He's a novice, writing all of this theology that people are glomming on to. Not a novice. Why? Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. How many of you, especially young guys, remember you were first saved and you had everything figured out. I mean, you were indignant about how everybody was living their life. I mean, you were just ready. Like, and then you got older and you lived through some things and you failed and you did some miserable stuff. And uh, you realize, wow, sure glad I wasn't a pastor. I would have ruined a bunch of stuff. <laughs> And you get puffed up. I mean, you're like, man, a bunch of low life. You know, you should know better than that. Bless God. Are you even saved? That's a, you know, that's what comes out of it. Are you even saved? Right? And you don't have an argument anymore. You just throw that out there. Right? And so, right, this is what happens when they're young in the Lord. This is what happens. Right? 
Lest, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Verse 7, moreover, he must have a good report of them with or, that are without. Listen, you can't have a rotten testimony out in the world, right, and expect a, expect a pastor. That's not right. No, I'm not saying, obviously, we know the world isn't always going to be like, yeah, we love you. I mean, they're not. But listen, you should be as, 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 as much blameless, not sinless, blameless to the world as you are to the church. The world shouldn't be able to come along and say, hey, you you need to know how this guy's dealing. You need to know what this guy's, how he lives. That's your pastor, you know? Did you know he goes here? Did you know he does this? Did you know, you know, boy, you know, you have it. If you have the desire to be a a pastor, right? If if you're in a place where you're needing to choose a pastor and there's people out in the world, whether it's, uh, whether it's at the the hardware store or at the bank or the grocery store or where they used to work, and they says that guy's a pastor. What? Yeah. Yep. Seventeen qualifications. Seventeen qualifications. If a man desire the office of the bishop. Now, if he has the husband of one wife down, okay. These sixteen other qualifications need to be there, right? And uh, there may, listen, they're human. There may be some ebb and flow in some of these. There's some growth in all of these. They're not, listen, if they've arrived in all of them, then you're back to a perfect pastor. And that, you're not going to get that. Sorry. Yeah. Fortunately, my wife's not here this morning to say amen. Uh-oh. Home's not in gravity. No. She'll be here tonight. <laughs> that was a joke. So, it's listen. It's imperative. You know, God, listen. The, this is God's church. God designed it with two offices. He designed it for a purpose, and He has qualifications. The company that you've ever worked for in the past, or maybe a company you work for now, they're writing your check. Do they have the right to tell you how they want things done? Absolutely. This is God. Listen. Don't mess up God's church. Just because of convenience, just because you think you have a better way to do it, just because you think, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. It'll be okay. Oh, we don't want to be so hard. I mean, we want to... No, listen, leave it alone. Do it God's way. Listen, it always works out better that way. Absolutely. So, thank the Lord. Um, I'm thankful that He has given us an outline here of uh, what it is. Uh, We probably won't get into that of a deacon, pretty much all of the same qualifications of of a deacon. And a couple of little different ones, but pretty much the same thing. And so we'll look at that at another time. And uh, the next time we shall meet for Sunday school is in a couple weeks. I'll be with you again. I'm looking forward to that. So may, may God help us just to stay with the book and stay with his plan and keep and uh, just uh, keep it uh, keep it in, in uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Do it. There we go. That's a good one. Do it. Let's just do that. Father, thank you for the word this morning. And uh, thank you for just the clarity here. Of, uh, of the qualifications of a pastor. And we just pray that you would help us, help me as I, as I look over these as a pastor and to make sure, uh, Lord, that I'm growing in all of these and, 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 and uh, coming up uh, and into a, a more better, more mature uh, area in all, of these, in all of these areas, Father. And would you help me in that? And then as, as the church itself, as we as a church, ever come to the time that it's ever necessary uh, for a a new pastor, 
Lord, that it would be ingrained in this body here that they know how to look and they know what not to have and they, they know where to go and where, where to open the Word of God and to write out the qualifications and make sure the next one falls under all of these. And we thank you for that. And we ask it in Jesus' name. We thank you. Amen. All right. Have a